0: welcome into e11 personnel nick roush with adam luckett very excited to be talking to you while we wait we're playing the waiting game when we originally scheduled this a wednesday night podcast recording lucky we thought Wondell robinson was going to be a, a wildcat by now but the uh the anxiety we were all too well familiar with from 2018 it's back it's back in a big way across the big blue nation
1: just playing the, uh, the waiting game for mr Wandel once again but you know what though the more things change and the more they stay the same sometimes
0: <laughs> you're right and just because there's a little waiting um i'm not more discouraged i i'm using double negatives there but like you know a, a close enter the transfer portal, commit to Kentucky within 24 hours. That was too good to be true. Like it, there's got to be some fire for the drama on an addition this big. So you know what? I'm not discouraged. Um, it, you know, still walking on sunshine, ready to welcome number one back to the Big Blue Nation with open arms. Because uh, if he does in fact pull the trigger uh, and come to Kentucky, it's a game changer, man. I mean, we, we talked about it then. Same applies now. A game-changing slot receiver um, to go with Josh Ali, who's who's played in the SEC, who's who's gone up against SEC defenses. It, just having that extra weapon, man. You can't you can't overstate the significance of adding a reliable receiver to that room that just desperately needs it while you're breaking in a new quarterback and a new play caller.
1: It's very easy to talk yourself into the wide receiver corps with his addition. You got him, Ollie, proven piece, keeping up shot tight end, and some young guys you're pretty excited about. I Mm -hmm. think it's very easy. And when you consider what yank you're getting with Cohen, where the Rams, they really don't have a bona fide guy outside, Um, it's a lot of tight ends and inside receivers. Cooper Cup and Robert Woods are both slot guys. Right that they find creative ways to get down the ball. So you combine Robinson with Ali, you know, it's enough, to I think, to really get you excited um, if you can land him. It is just a proven entity, a top 100 recruit, a guy you really wanted out of high school. And, you know, the staff, they went out of their way to keep a good relationship with Damian Harris.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: There was the one that floated around one off, like one off season, him and Stoops got lunch together or something like that. And then Jedrick Wills, you've heard them talk about them. I uh, talk about him. I'm in a good light. And they even said, like, he texted Stoops after Schlarman passed.
0: Yeah, this staff is not in the business of burning bridges.
1: That, 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 those are, they do that on for the reason because there's always a chance.
0: And yeah, Xavier Peters came, actually came back. The
1: grass isn't always greener. The grass is another example, right? But like for Robinson, it's it's just a position struggle to recruit. It's exactly what the offense needs. You feel like you get him, it's going to make the transition a lot easier to this new system. And then you, you start to look at the weapons on the team to go with what should be a good offensive line, and you just start to get excited, man. Um, so it's a it's a big it's a big deal. He, he he's going to make a difference if he comes to Kentucky. Um, you know, I think it ma- it makes the most sense to come to Kentucky of mm-hmm. all the options on the table right now.
0: Right, right. The um, Purdue is the one floated out there, and as much as I have Purdue bias, uh, familial bias, uh, it just as much as you can pitch Rondale's success to Wyndale, I mean, they're buddies. They've worked out together. Um, Like, they've known each other for a long time. The – it just doesn't – it doesn't really add up because the situation at Purdue isn't that much different than the situation at Nebraska. Just all of it. The kind of of middle-of-the-road play, you know, the lack of consistency. I mean, like, it it just doesn't – it doesn't add up to me. So, while I – I don't know. I, I don't think I'm, I've got my blue blinders up to to think that.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't either. It the Purdue Nebraska move is a lateral move. Not to say like Kentucky's a better program at rest or whatnot, but it doesn't <laughs> make sense. Same division, the same problems at Nebraska are kind of the same problems Purdue has. It, it just doesn't. You know, I don't. I, just to. To come out and say you're, you know, want to be close to your mom. Purdue still what three and a half hours away from Frankfurt.
0: Yeah, maybe, maybe a little bit more.
1: Yeah, I just. Yeah, yeah, and then you, Steve Wiltfong, who's like the head honcho recruiting guy, I had
0: a post on it. Yeah. I
1: had a post on him today. Was pretty much like it comes down to you know the Purdue offense. Sonny, really, that he's the next Rondell Moore, and you talked about that relationship between those two, and then it's the. For Kentucky, it's Kentucky uh, can come home, you know, be for the life after football, can, you know, have a good year. You can sell your Kentucky football player for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be a big daggone deal if he comes to Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And so it's just, I mean, it's recruiting, man. You know, you usually in transfers, you don't really, this is not like something you see because usually it's under the table, under the radar, you just make a decision and that's it. And it's not very publicized. That's 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 why in these transfer, it's kind of hard to cover recruiting because you don't know who's off who, who's after who, because they keep it quiet for the most part. But this one um, is turning into like a real recruiting battle again. So I mean, we'll see. Uh, hopefully, it's, it's a not portal man
0: 2.0. Port, yep. Portal is a uh, is a whole different ball game. You know, uh, mm-hmm. just the the nature of it. We've seen. Some guys go in. We haven't seen many go out yet, which has kind of surprised me. But I would assume that that's maybe next week. Uh, I got my cl- I got I got my dates wrong. Apparently, they don't start classes until after Martin Luther King Day. Uh, COVID really we start not, late this this year. Yeah, yeah. COVID messed up the schedule, so uh, I would imagine that you would see some transfers going into the portal from UK right around that time. Uh, but day would be huge. And I I think he's not the only guy they're going to go to the transfer portal to get because we got some surprising news like it. I think most people were anticipating that Jamin Davis would be back for another season. And this just wasn't because you made a depth chart for Friday afternoon that went out of date about three hours later. But, like, I mean, even people close to the program were, I wouldn't say, like, What's the word I'm looking for? They thought there was a chance he might go, but believed that he would come back to try to build that draft stock, like most people have. But, you know, every kid's different. Um, Every kid's family's different. Every kid's family has different needs. Uh, When you have a year like he had, I can't blame the kid from Ludovici for deciding to cash in on a huge year and just take the money and run. Can't blame him whatsoever. But there's no denying, like it that they just lost their best defensive player going into 2021.
1: Yeah, I think for Jamin, support the river. he's a redshirt junior, so this isn't a three and done. It's a four and done. So he had four years, mm-hmm. and he was a guy who enrolled early too. So he's been here a while, and it just I think it was him cashing out after peak year. I mean, this it it's gonna be it was gonna be hard for him to produce the same type of year he just had especially when those first
0: three years, too, were a slog. Like, he really didn't come along until halfway through his third. Um, like, the, mm-hmm. the month of November in that 2019 season, he really came along had six tackles. And from my understanding, Jamin, as great of an athlete as it was, it just – the light bulb in his head from an X's nose standpoint, it took a little bit longer for him. He figured it out. Uh, and, I mean w- – I think like what I was trying to think I went back through the stats because there's been some great linebackers here. I mean, I know you want to talk about, you know, OLBU or, you know, all this kind of junk, but Kentucky's. They've had some great individual performances at inside linebacker for the last decade, dating back to Danny Trevathan, having 732 tackles in 12 games. His tackling stats are just insane. I mean, absolutely insane. I think, 144 was like a down year. For right. Him. I mean, <laughs> he was insane. But, like, between – I mean, he he's still in the league. Every Williamson had some big years. He's still in the league. Jordan Jones had that crazy sophomore year. Yeah, 16. But, man, Davis is – it holds up with all of them, and he did it in an all-SEC schedule in only 11 games. He's one of only, like, five players in the last decade to go over 100 tackles, and most of those dudes are in the NFL right now. Two of them were still he was, playing a wild card games last weekend.
1: He was awesome. Just, he was awesome. And I think for Jamin, like, I think this decision probably came down to how much better am I going to get? I'm going to, I'm entering my redshirt senior year. This year I just put together it, it, pretty daggone good. Like, how much, how much better can, can you just get just I playing one more season?
0: that just
1: dealt with a COVID year, right.
0: The argument you would make is that, like, you know, putting some more tape out there would make some teams. Like, if you put that tape out there again, and it didn't have to be exact, but more teams would be confident in picking you. But you know what? He can sell that, damn it, I just played 11 or 10 SEC games and did that. So, you know, I, I, I can't blame him it's important to remember the position here
1: too. You're not seeing very many inside lockers going high in the draft. It's not a position they really value from a, from a top draft pick standpoint. Mm -hmm. So when you look at Darian Kennard, Josh Allen, the reason they came back was because they knew it was their new potential is there to get into that first round, to get into the top 20 picks with a big year. Mm-hmm. Because offensive tackle and edge rusher outside of quarterback and probably receiver right now, probably you know they're the most important positions on the field. So, unless you're just a freakazoid like a Devin Bush, Devin White from LSU a couple years ago, mm-hmm. Roquan Smith, like that's the, the crop. No guys are even getting picked in the
0: top 10. You know what I'm saying? I'm wondering where Mosley's gonna end up. He didn't have a great year.
1: I'm seeing, well, I'm seeing second and third round for him.
0: Yeah, and he'll he he's near the top of the draft class when it comes to that position. So right, so that's
1: that's that's my only point. I think best case scenario for Jamie was to come back, kick major butt, and then maybe get into the end of the first round. So is it is it worth that or just take your chance now? You're you, and it's weird now this year because the combines probably not happening so they're still doing how, some how of those bowl do games testing.
0: though so I, I bet they do something like what exactly yeah. it is they're going to do something they just yeah. can't they I don't can't know not, how they're going to
1: do the testing
0: and how are they going to do like the meetings are almost as important as the testing you can't do that yeah. like
1: yeah but for jamie i think uh when they dig into probably him as a person he seems like great teammate great kid Versatile, play special teams, play multiple positions. Waited his time at UK. Never really seemed to have any issues. And then, just from his versatility standpoint, he can play micro Will. Um, he can. He did some stuff last year as an outside rusher in some packages. So I think he's going to find a role pretty fast in the NFL. The decision probably came down to all right. This is what you are. This is the ceiling. Maybe it just time and you know cash in on the big year and go mm-hmm. ahead and move i don't think it was a wrong decision because again i think the positional value of of it there's just i mean not to say that position's not important it's just there's a lot more other important positions and you can get like good players like at that position
0: yeah from like free agents. all the rounds um will come so, yeah is a so player for that him, comes it's in come like that where you know you get a guy who's not the best but if they know what the hell they're doing out there, then they mm-hmm. can they can give you a lot for value.
1: Right. So, so from that standpoint, man, you know, congrats to them. I think it's a good success story for Kentucky. A mid-three-star recruit from South Georgia came in, developed him, turned him into a draft pick, Shirt um, junior, got 100 tackles and was drafted. So it, not only that, it's a selling point to kids on their roster. Just be patient. Your time will come. Like, look at this guy. What he did. Like, example, like JJ Weaver. Remember last year, it was like it felt like they had to get him in there at the end of last year. End of twenty nineteen. Mm-hmm. I think like Jamin Davis is a selling point where you don't have to play right away. Like this is there's just a system how this works. Like just trust, just trust the process. We're gonna get you to where you want to go. So just put in the work, and everything's gonna work out.
0: Mm, yes, uh, I'm sorry. I just yawned. I, it's uh, the the late night tip offs, and then you got Sunday night football, wild card, and the national championship game. Like just staying up to, for the start of the fourth quarter, it was like eleven o'clock at night. But way too late. Those commercials were very long. In that national championship game, um, which we can get to, but first, what does UK do without Jamin? Well, uh, let's hit up that portal. Uh, now, obviously, you. You like some of the pieces you've already got there. Uh, Derek Jackson was decent as a true freshman. I mean, like he better than we thought, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Much better, especially as like the lowest ranked kid in that class. So he's one that I'm confident will improve. uh, South Georgia again,
1: man. That's going to be one of my points of emphasis, I think, this offseason, Nick. South Georgia is South Georgia has just treated them really well. You look at Jamin Davis, you look at Derek Jackson, who could be a starter. Katie McDaniel is a guy I'm high on. I think he can maybe be a surprise of a defense this year. So, I just think it's an area that that they've done well in. Chauncey Magwood, who's a guy we're mm-hmm. high on. Yep. South Georgia. I, I, did, I would keep hanging away at that area. I think, it's, I think it's really been good for the program. I think the type of kids that come from that area end up being really good kind of culture fits with what Kentucky does, which is – That blue collar chip on the shoulder, right? Kind of salty, you know, player. Where we've seen in South Florida, some of those guys they haven't fit for whatever reason. Um, I think South Georgia kind of more of a cultural fit for there, and it's an area I really hope the staff kind of hones in on, really tries to make an emphasis because I think they've gotten some really good players there.
0: And in addition to. Derek Jackson, there's a guy close to home who, like, this is gives him an opportunity to I, – I don't know if he'll necessarily play Mike that much, but Jared Casey, here you go, buddy. You got a year under your belt. Go make some plays.
1: Yeah. Uh, he should – I think he should. He's 225, 230. That's big enough. Like, these, these – I think Mike and Will are interchangeable now, mm-hmm. um, especially with some of these spread offenses um, getting in here. Like, I think he should be – like, he should have the inside track, I would figure, to be that Mike linebacker. You're going to need him next year anyway, unless Derek Jackson's just kind of a stud. You have to have (laughs) him on the field. Right, right. But Casey was a big recruiting win. A Louisville kid, you really need to – like, these Louisville kids, you really need to – like, they really need to develop these guys and get a couple of these guys drafted so they can keep that recruiting momentum going in that city. They got a lot of it right now, but you have to keep rolling. If you can get some of these guys drafted, which Weaver seems to be on the way, but if you can develop Casey, then you really have something. That was a guy they flipped from Oregon. Um, so he's. I think he's a guy um, that they really need to take a big jump forward. But I think inside linebacker obviously can be a, a, a place they could visit the portal and try to find some depth.
0: Oh, yeah. And uh, that certainly seems to be the case. I don't think that will be happening this week. But there's a a Michigan State guy, a Cardinal Mooney guy, uh, last Mm -hmm. name of Fulton, who appears to be on UK's radar. They were actually his first offer um, way back in 2017. So he's one to keep an eye on, uh, but there could be more. And uh, and I don't know.
1: Fulton is one. um, I think he might be a Sam. Like I think he's an outside linebacker when I've kind of watched his dug in with some of his tape. He's got some length, some physicality, where I think he could play inside. But I think his best position might be that same position, which is a position that they need some guys at, to be honest. And he was a top 500 recruit. You know, that's uh, Cardinal Mooney, like you said. Had some off-the-field issues. we um, got arrested for a fight, it looked like.
0: Yeah. But. Which, they're, come they're on, willing if you go out on a
1: limb for these Cardinal Mooney kids, oh, yeah, sure. yeah.
0: I mean, like, if we penalized every Youngstown young kid who got in a fight at a frat party, then I mean, we're, we're left with nobody. I mean, who'd be on the coaching yeah. staff? Zero people would be on the coaching mm-hmm. staff if that were the case. So, uh, you know, uh, I don't, I don't make too much of it, but the when I talked to some people about what Fulton could do, um, he's a guy that. He's going to be in the right place at the right time. May not have the yes the physical attributes, but he's going to be. He's gonna make sure everybody's lined up. Make sure the defense is is operating as it should. So um, that's that's one name to keep an eye on. I don't think they're done yet, but it's you know it's a long offseason. Um, not only do you have guys getting in the portal ahead of their second semester, you also have guys who are trying to graduate who are going to hop in the portal as well. So right.
1: After a spring ball, there's like two periods of the portal usually. Got the end of the season where everybody jumps in, then you move into spring ball, and then after spring ball, people are going to jump in. And that mm-hmm. could be even more crazy this year. Right. Because teams all over the country are making roster cuts pretty much mm-hmm. where it's like you got to go. We don't have room for you. We got to bring in some freshmen. Especially so, with kids
0: coming back for like the COVID. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, You're going to see that a that lot. Deal. I think it's going to get crazy again there in April, May. When spring ball's over and all the, sem- the semesters are in and around the country, and then staffs will be scrambling there from May to June to get some transfers.
0: It's pretty wild. Like at the national signing day, used to be the big deal, and now it's early signing period and then transfer portal window.
1: Yeah, you have periods now. Multiple. You've got the early signing period. You got the first transfer portal window. You got the late signing period. and You got the late transfer portal window. Like We're going to have to figure out a way how to – I think 24-7, I think I've heard some other guys talk about this, how they're going to classify like these classes now because you can't just grade the recruiting classes because of all these guys in the portal. Like WKU, I think, had like three signees, and they've had like 13 guys transfer. <laughs> so they're, like, they're not even – they're not even – they're hardly recruiting high school. They're just hitting the portal. SMU, Sonny Dykes, he hammers at the portal. So, a lot of these guys are not even like really going full out in recruiting. They're just getting guys in the portal. And Kentucky's looking like they're going to have a small class and they may go get five or six transfers from the portal.
0: It's, uh, it, we're in a time where things are changing rapidly. And how each team embraces that change will, like, I mean, same thing it was with COVID, like teams that, dealt with COVID the right way, right away, had a leg up on the competition. Um, same is going to be said with all the new rule change stuff. And the thing is, too, like it is everybody was preparing for the rules to go a certain way, and now it doesn't even look like they're going to change them right away, too. <laughs> Emmer keeps kicking this can down the road. So, oh, it's just trying to keep up with it. It's going to be crazy. That's what we're doing now It's trying to keep up with it. Waiting on Mondale. Um, ultimately i think by the time you'll be hearing this you will know that Wandale robinson is back at kentucky and uh i because you know i thought this stuff was gonna happen tuesday found an old picture of him with Bo allen man you yeah, want yeah. About, you want to talk about something to get kentucky fans fired up Lexington kid throwing to a frankfurt kid to kick some ass in the sec like come on dream come true right there
1: yeah i mean you could have a lot of Wandale or Bo Allen throwing to Wandale. You could have on defense J.J. Weaver rushing the passer, mm-hmm. Jared Casey roaming over the middle, and Vito Tisdale. Davante Robinson out. back at safety. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, th- there's Isaiah a lot Cummings of catching
0: passes on the outside. Right.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of Kentucky flavor that really the program could really strike on. And like I said, if those guys are good. Like we talk about building building a fence around this, that's how you build a fence around the state. Is not only you got to get them there first, but then you develop them. If you develop them, and then you get guys in the NFL from areas that other kids are growing up in, that, right. like they went up watching them. Oh, like coaches Frederick know. Douglas.
0: right? It,
1: yeah, it just it makes a you know a big difference. It's going to allow them to really. Um, hone in and kind of own the state and recruiting which is everybody's goal um, no matter
0: what program you're at especially in one where I know it was a big talking point early on I think it was a little misguided but like the states the top 10 players in the state of Kentucky are all generally pretty darn good there's years that are better than others some that are much worse than others but for the most part a lot of the they produced some pretty good football players over the years. There was just a lot of the kids from Louisville were going to Louisville. Kids were going to Notre Dame. Kids were going elsewhere. Walking them up, keeping them at home is huge. And then bringing guys back is huge. And I know we've talked about it previously, but uh, Chris Rodriguez today. Then I know there was a little bit of uncertainty, but when I reached out to like, okay, just want to make sure he's coming back. Right. There was like a, well, Duh. <laughs> you know, he didn't,
1: he did, everybody else made an announcement and he didn't. Yeah. So that, so that made you like, what? Because he felt eligible, but he was only a redshirt sophomore. Right. That made you worry. But Rodriguez, I hope people understand how good of a year he had last year. He was, you can make an argument, he was the best running back in the SEC outside of Najee Harris. Yeah. Like that. I think that's legitimately on the table. It's just the, The offensive staff didn't make him a priority. They didn't decide to emphasize him. So that's a proven piece for Cohen to come in. Like, he is legit. Like, he could come – I think he could run for 1,500 yards next year.
0: Especially, I mean, when you consider the fact that he was used in such a limited capacity. I mean, the dude just didn't get tackled behind the line of scrimmage until the freaking bowl game. That's just stupid. This is a mm-hmm. stupid stat. Like, you don't, you don't see guys like that very often. And he wasn't used enough. And that's part of the reason why they're bringing in new guys in. And, yeah, you've got uh, a new coach with it. Yeah, there's just, there's so much to be excited about next season. And having a bell cow like Chris Rodriguez there, who should have more of a passing game to open him up. I mean, he did that without any passing game whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Teams were – we saw what NC State did. They were just daring Kentucky to throw the ball, and they were still running the ball effectively with Rodriguez and Rose. <laughs>
1: so Yeah, I mean, he's yeah, – and a lot of that, I think Kentucky's offensive line was really good, obviously. Uh, but Rodriguez was much better than uh, the other backs. Now, A.J. Rose turned it on late. You can make an argument the last three games how good he was. But the whole season, it was Rodriguez and everybody else really as from a skill position standpoint on the offense. He was by far their most effective option. And the fact that he only had twenty reached a 20-carry threshold once all season is, you know, it's malpracticed. And I think that there's a lot of reasons uh, Grant and Henshaw got fired, but I think that was one of the,
0: one of the main causes for sure. Yeah, yeah, uh, I would say so. Um, Luckett, we've talked a lot about you know, good old transfer portal stuff. We've been in this portal too long. Um, so, what I want to do is introduce a new segment that we're going to try to make a recurring thing here. I know we normally just sit here and talk ball, but we've reached a point now where our conversations together—it's too good to deprive from the public. So, this segment. Each week, we're going to bring to you the most bizarre things from college football. It could only happen in college football. It's called What a Sport. <laughs> because sometimes things happen and you just like only college football. Um, and to start, I would like to uh, introduce to you. Actually, Steve Sarkeesian was the one that was introduced to Uh, to Texas fans, the day after the national championship game, what's the first thing Sork has to do? He has to go hold on to a rope that's tied around Bevo, yeah, a big ass steer that has horns eight feet wide. That basically, first thing you do on the new job, like imagine this is your new job, you have it has nothing to do with livestock, but the first thing you have to do is to go like hold this cow what a sport what a sport mm-hmm. which um i'm kind
1: of i'm the Sark hire. is growing on me i think that could end up being a really good hire for texas time will tell but mine is there's a guy named will friend south carolina's offensive or, um let's see here who would he coach last year Tennessee. tennessee's offensive line coach yeah South Carolina hires him so he can reunite with Bobo. He's kind of Bobo's right hand man, went to went with him at Colorado State, was there. He hires, he hired he gets to South Carolina, has an introductory press conference. Less than a week later, Will Friend and Mike Bobo are at Auburn. Out. Out. After having the introductory press conference. And it's not only that. He re- obtain, retains another assistant sh- um, new head coach, Shane Beamer, does, Tracy Rocker, defensive line coach. Auburn also decides to pluck him. He's out. <laughs> so you've got – and Auburn has a brand-new head coach and Brian Harson. And Derek Mason, who's Auburn's new defensive coordinator, was also uh, – looked like to be South Carolina's top target at defensive coordinator. So you've got a new, two new staffs, one in Columbia, one in Auburn on the Plains. And there are four guys that the new South Carolina head coach wanted. And Auburn's new head coach came and stole all of them. (laughs) And of course, Auburn goes to South Carolina, or South Carolina goes to Auburn, I believe, next season.
0: Yeah, they play each other next year. Mm -hmm. Man, what a sport. There's one, speaking of South Carolina. So when they didn't get Bobo, they went and hired
1: right away too they did not waste any time
0: like one of them happened the next morning i mean it was in an instant i was i was shocked at how quickly it happened and uh i that name escapes me i don't know that guy's name but the defensive coordinator they hired they hired the guy from western kentucky clayton white and The first thing he says in his opening press conference, he is looking for STI top players. When he's recruiting, he wants speed, toughness, and instinct. It's like, you realize that you coach the Cox and you're looking for STIs. like, Buddy. (laughs) (sighs) What a sport. What a sport. sport.
1: Marcus Satterfield. Oh, it's a Satterfield.
0: Ooh, can you actually do... I'll, I'll take the liberty. Was this from Bruce Feldman? That you sent this?
1: Josh Kendall.
0: Oh, okay. athletic. So it, it only an athletic writer could write this. Um, This is how he describes Satterfield. Satterfield will blend his own offensive system with things Beamer brings from re- Lincoln Riley's offensive system and the things he learned from Panthers offensive coordinator Joe Brady. Folks, the Gamecocks are going to be a combination <laughs> of Oklahoma and Joe Brady.
1: Lincoln Riley, Joe Brady. Right. <laughs> to be fair to Kendall, that's what Satterfield said in the press conference. So, oh god,
0: did he yeah. cry about these, L's down yeah. too? is that just is that the other side of the Satterfield family? That's the other Satterfield.
1: But um, yeah, <laughs> South Carolina made like Beamer made some weird hires. I like Clayton White. I think he Love did a good job it. at WKU. But they went from potentially Derek Mace – you heard Bud Foster's name because of the Virginia Tech ties with Beamer. And then they landed on Clayton White. And then Marcus Shatterfield, he hasn't called plays in a little bit. He was Matt Rule's offensive coordinator at Temple. But then when he joined up with Matt Rule, he was just a tight ends coach there at Baylor. So, like, he didn't feel the rush to promote him. And then he was just an assistant offensive line coach for one year with the Panthers when Rule went to Carolina just a weird kind of staff he's putting together.
0: Not very splashy for a new coach.
1: Well, well, with Beamer, the cell was, all right, my dad's a legend. I work with Kirby Smart at Georgia. I worked with Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma. So with my Oklahoma connections, I can get us some, you know, some high flying offense kind of thing. With Georgia connections, I have defensive, you know, SEC roots kind of thing. He hires no one with any type of Oklahoma Lincoln Riley connections at all. Zero. And then it seems like the time at Georgia, like he didn't, he hired no one that any type of relationship that could have been built there. So it's like, well, what are we doing here? And then he's going to be the lowest-paid SEC coach. He's going to make two and a half million dollars, I think it's a number, two and a half three. And so you think, oh, they're going to load up on staff. They're going to pay staff a lot of money. They hire these guys that are probably gonna like Satterfield and Clayton White are probably gonna make 500k or something around those lines. Got to pay him. So yeah, so this is what's turning out to be. It just this is turning out to be a cheap hire for South Carolina. Like the thing with Billy Napier back when you go and look deeper into the search was he wanted he wanted them to spend like a big time program. Like wherever he goes, he wants to give. He wants to have all the resources. He wants to be able to get anything he wants. he he doesn't want money to be an issue and it's appearing like South Carolina that's definitely an issue like they're worried about paying must champ and they're trying to get um a dollar out of a quarter so we'll see if it works but I would be a little worried that it seems like they're kind of penny pinching over there
0: oh man poor poor Cox just out here looking for STIs without any money oh (sighs) Man, do you got any anything for our, our debut, debut of what a sport?
1: I mean, Jaron Garantano after dark <laughs> is just right in my wheelhouse. Absolutely important, in my wheelhouse. All the way in my wheelhouse.
0: Of all places, too. Like, that is just god that's gonna be a sight. well
1: it's perfect because he goes to a like random big 12 school or random acc school i'm probably not gonna see him as much but i know now i'm gonna see him at least probably three times during the year mm-hmm. just late at night when nothing else is on Man. and everybody's gonna be focused god. it's just part it's perfect. he's gonna
0: throw just some wonderful pick sixes i mean they're they're going to be beautiful running the little outs. Like I don't I don't think Rolovich. I mean I don't think he's exactly like Mike Leach, but he's going to throw a lot of passes. I can. They're, they're going to jump some routes and just go to the house. It's going to be, man, can't wait, can't wait for it. It's going to be great after a seven thirty kickoff at the Krogue to come back home and get to wind Second down. Pass, yeah, with Garantano throwing pick sixes. Yeah. Oh man, man what's it's it? going to be great. Speaking of Tennessee. What the, I thought they were had a hiring freeze, and then they hired Kevin Steele. I know. What?
1: What? I know. So you know who uh, was runner up to getting the job when they hired Jeremy
0: Pruitt? Was it Kevin Steele? It Kevin Steele. Mm-hmm. And they hired, but he's not even like a defensive coordinator, right? He's not going to take their no, Ainsley's just, spot. That
1: he's making like five hundred something thousand. He's just going to be some type of assistant. They haven't said. What? Which that smells like. Interim head coach and waiting. I mean, it just has that stink all over it.
0: Interim head coach and waiting. That's great. And, and then,
1: like, Tennessee's issues aren't on the de- like, – like, think about this, Nick. They have Jeremy Pruitt, defense coordinator to Alabama, as their head coach. Derek Ansley was also off that Saban tree. Went and was an assistant for the Raiders. Mm-hmm. Their defensive coordinator, who they went out – and decided Pruitt can't call the defense anymore. We need to pay somebody. So pay this guy a million dollars. Okay. So now we want to bring in a third defensive coordinator who's also off that saving tree and Kevin Still. That's a lot of damn cooks in the kitchen. And yeah. then they've got all kinds of issues on the I mean, other side of the football. That's that's where their problem is. It's on offense. It's not on defense.
0: It's firing Derek LeBlanc when your quarterback throws three inter... Jimmy Brown ball, yeah. You're, yeah, yeah, sorry. Wrong former U.K. Court, or defensive line coach. But, like, that's... Uh, Tennessee, Tennessee, Tennessee. What a bunch of buffoons. That's, that's just what they are, a bunch of buffoons.
1: I am very... I'm not sure Pruitt makes it to the season. It looks like he is now. Mm-hmm. But just watch; they're just going to be fascinating to watch all off season. At, during, hopefully we get me some type of media days mm-hmm. um, when Fulmer has to go probably on a little circuit in the summer, talk to boosters. What well, gets leaked out of those those meetings? They're just going to be fat. They're just going to be fascinating to watch all year because we know how it's going to end. It's just getting there <laughs> is going to be the how the fun, like mm-hmm. how we get there is mm-hmm. going to be the enjoy the enjoyment. We know. We know this. We know how it started. We already know how it's going to end. Now it's just getting getting there. How do we get there?
0: And then they added Hendon Hooker at quarterback, like, which makes no sense. Like that I just makes no sense. I don't. I mean, is not Harrison Bailey supposed to be their guy? Like what? Well, Jim Chaney's strict pro style
1: offense, but um, they got Hooker's, a good quarterback out of Texas who's kind of like a dual threat guy, which doesn't make much sense. If they're going to make a change, uh, I don't know if Chaney's the guy you want running that offense, but we'll see.
0: Yeah, don't make much sense. Don't make much sense at all.
1: We still don't know this thing with Eric Gray, this investigation, if he's even going to be eligible. Because it seems like that that centering around him plus the recruitment of that kid, Mary Smims, who just committed to Georgia or signed with Georgia. Mm-hmm. So they're just gonna be Tennessee is just going to be fascinating Ooh. to watch, especially in
0: this offseason. Didn't realize they lost uh Ty Chandler too. And he's uh, Yeah, and if
1: you see all these guys, they've got ten plus guys in the portal. He's
0: uh he's going to North Carolina to play for Mac Brown, the Mac attack. So yeah, I don't know uh, their offensive of tackle,
1: Wanya Morris, who was a five star just entered today.
0: Man. Oh no, bad things are happening at Tennessee. Shucks.
1: Like I said, we we, we know how it's gonna end. Just <laughs> getting there.
0: Um there's a couple other things. One other thing, I guess this is almost like a what a sport thing because it was so bizarre, and it happened so quickly that I couldn't even really comprehend what was going on, but Josh Edwards from 24-7 reported that Kentucky was moving on from Javon Bonite, the UK wide receivers coach. And – so on the one hand, you're like, okay, well maybe Cohen just wants to get his own guy, get a guy from the NFL. They've made all these offensive NFL hires. They'll just go get that. So you know, receivers have stunk. Why not? But on the other hand, you were like, well, why wait? Why do, Why did it take so long to fire him? Was his contract like? Are they just going to get him through the spring because he's on a one year deal or something? Like I don't, I don't know. It, that part, I. I It didn't make sense for that reason. And also you thought, well, they need some continuity in that room. And I don't know why Mark Stoops and Vince Merrill would go so out of their way to praise him if they were going to just let him go as soon as they got finished with the bowl game. And while the wheels and the hamster head are turning, uh, the boss man, the, the KSR CEO, Matt Jones gets a call during his radio show to answer who... I can only imagine who from UK was out there to correct that report and say, no, he's staying here. So, like it, I don't, what do you make of all of this? Because it was, it was a bizarre hour and a half, 90 minutes of getting rid of the receivers coach. No way. Actually, we're keeping the receivers coach. But are they really going to keep the receivers coach? It's just, it's so weird that that would be out there because, you know, Josh is pretty plugged in. Um and he's not gonna put something out there if he doesn't feel like there's something to it.
1: I I think definitely something was there. Um that maybe it smells like something was possibly there and then it ended up falling through for whatever reason.
0: You know what it could be it could have been like the Mike Stoops thing last year where I mean, how long did we think they were before they were that like it was gonna happen and then maybe football scoop put something out there? So we put on the site and UK was quick to Yeah, it was football sh- scoop. Yeah, to shoot that down. So it could be similar in that instance where they had somebody else lined up, it got out, so it fell through. But nevertheless, it was very bizarre. Yeah, I mean, like here's the thing like obviously you want continuity
1: in that receiver's room. But if you realize Boonight's Knight's probably not the guy. It's better just to move on, you know, right now. Yeah. So, I mean, so for that standpoint, I mean, I don't know. It's all, I think a lot of it has to do with Cohen. Has Cohen really gotten a chance to really evaluate him? No. Really see I, who he wants. Who, who, if, if he does, if he doesn't want him, who he would want. You
0: know? yeah, I mean, they're still playing football right now. You know, that's so. what,
1: yeah, right. That's the one to watch out for. Like when he gets in, say the Rams lose to the Packers this weekend, Which pretty good chance that's going to happen. If he gets to Lexington, you know, let's say Tuesday, Wednesday, starts working full time. You know that that then the next week to ten days would be the time to watch for that if yeah, if a change yeah. would occur.
0: And from my understanding, too, like he hasn't been. I think he saved a lot of the. For I got from my understanding of folks that have been in contact with him, it's been very just like. Hey, this is coach. We'll talk more later, but just wanted to introduce myself. Like I I think that's been the extent of it so far, especially with players on the team because they just want to be left the hell alone for a few weeks. So I yeah. I don't think he's been in, that involved uh, particularly particular per, damn, I can't say. Particularly uh, tricky word. You know what? I I usually do pretty good with it and it just it, it got me there particularly it particularly got with me, with me there, but I think he, I think whims it's one kid he has reached out to. Yeah, I would, which, uh, you, you know, have, if you're going to make sure. it an exception for uh, them, it's, it's, it's that guy. He didn't Dante key called in and said that he hadn't spoke to Cohen yet. I, I hope that he would have at least reached out to Dane to say something, which he might've, Um, but you know, Don, Matt just asked if Dante had talked to him or not. And he said, no, but, Uh, you know those are that in a bingham those are the big guys that he's got to be in the mix with early and often um he's got you know a lengthy checklist but until then i'm just going to give him all the credit in the world for pulling off that win without a functioning quarterback (laughs) yeah uh, much credit goes to the rams defensive coordinator I, i think it all goes on going yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. But Which, by the way, we put off talking for the rim, so. about the national championship game. Dude.
1: It's about what I thought would happen in a certain way. I didn't think it would get that ugly. I thought
0: Ohio State's offense would put up more of a fight. Justin Fields just sucked so much in that first half, man. He he was scared. He was scared. Ohio State play their national championship in the Sugar Bowl. Sermon got hurt right away, too. But yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just
1: uh. I mean, Devontae Smith got hurt, Mac Jones got hurt, was playing hurt, Jalen Waddles out there on one leg and they still Just crushed him. Yeah, they still had no chance. Even there was a one possession they where he threw that touchdown to that white kid Slade Bolden. Yeah. That that possession, that entire position, that was Mac Jones, Alabama starting a line, and guys that were twos on twos or threes on Alabama when they started fall camp. And they just went down like butter, seven plays, 75 yards, touchdown. I mean,
0: Ohio State's defense, I know they were out a couple of defensive linemen, and that's what really gave Clemson fits. But even if they had those guys. It
1: didn't matter against that Bam O-line.
0: That's, that's yeah, you're right. It didn't matter because of that. But the scheme they tried, like some of the – Oh, yeah. H- how are you putting a safety eight yards down the field, man-to-man on Devontae Smith? Like, what, what are you doing? It well, just it, some of that stuff uh-huh. made absolutely no sense. I got at the beginning of the game when they were playing, the you know, Kirk Herbstreit kept talking about we're going to give him a little bit, we just got to take away the deep ball and then lock him up in the red zone. But when they decided to go, man, uh, you're going to let Sark get Smith one on one with that big ass middle linebacker, like, what the hell? Yeah, I think that was,
1: I think that was a coverage bust. And then the linebacker realized what was going on. So he just started sprinting after Smith. That's what it looked like to me, but I could be wrong. Um, But what Ohio State did was they wanted to get their best 11 on the field, which happened to be three or four linebackers at a time. So they didn't feel comfortable going nickel dime. And Ohio State's scheme works when you got Chase Young, Nick Bosa, Joey Bosa screaming off the edge. When you can't, get consistent pass rush and then you go up against an offensive line that's just a bunch of war daddies up there you know you're dropping the cover three you're just going to get picked apart against good offenses and i think that's kind of what happened now Bama's offense is just ridiculous they're scoring on everybody yeah it's not really gonna matter what you're gonna do
0: (laughs) well Um, and that that was why you couldn't be too overly critical because like right like they're doing that to everybody. But there was some schematic things that they were doing. It's like this ain't gonna cut it. No, like at least trying to put some pressure on Mac Jones. That was the thing I didn't get. The one time Ohio State did something good defensively, they forced a fumble on Mac Jones because they got pressure on. him. Why don't you yeah. just, just bring the freaking house against Bama? Like go down swinging. At least, my God. Yeah,
1: I would. I mean, I'm waiting for somebody to try this because it goes against everything you're. Built in as a defense, um, and I think Clemson had, did some. They tried to do some of this against LSU last year when they just kind of did the three-one-seven kind of defense. Mm-hmm. Just dare them to run the ball. Like, be like if Najee Harris, if they give him the ball forty times and he goes for three hundred yards, so be it. But don't let you know double team Smith and drop in like some three deep and flood, flood, flood the flood the routes and try to demand them to run the ball, like. See if they, they get greedy. Because I would think an offense would get aggressive and then maybe you could bait them into some turnovers. But these teams come out, they're like, all right, got to stop the run, got to stop the run, got to stop the run. <laughs> and then it just – I mean, it opens you up to just get,
0: you know, picked uh, we'll,
1: apart by these laser pass games.
0: We'll say, though, Najee Harris, like – I don't even know how he – where he stacks up along with the rest of the killer running backs they've had. He's pretty but, good man the thing with him is he's the guy that you think you have tackled at four or five and it's like a win and then he gets to nine and that's in receiving that's in running his ability to like a lot of really talented running backs are like that but him in particular just it's it, it seemed more impressive because he was doing so much of it in space um and that's what might make him the best pro out of all of them is because of his ability to catch the pass out he
1: of runs him. like a 200 pound guy
0: He's not, but he weighs two forty because <laughs> yeah. he can, he's got some lateral
1: quickness and agility where he can make guys miss, kind of in space. Um, but then when you hit him, he he's falling forward, he's running people over, um, and he's a guy. I think in the NFL, he can be you know he can really be an effective pass catcher out of the backfield, which is not something you see from these big backs, these six foot two forty mm-hmm. guys. Um, and so that I'm very interested to see how he's utilized at the next level because I think he can be a really good pass catcher. On top of a good runner inside. Like, he's not the brute force I think you've seen from Derek Henry and some other guys they've had inside. But I think his passing, his pass catching ability, um, I think it's very um, enticing for him as the next level. And I think ETM was the slam dunk RB1 in this draft. And I think he's gotten surpassed by
0: Najee Harris. Like, I think he could sneak
1: it to the end of the first round. He had a great year.
0: Yeah, no, he certainly did. I, uh, man, I bet Mac Jones would fit in well at the Preston Highway Roosters. Yeah. <laughs> I bet you he can slam some. A lot of Jacksonville and Mac Jones, man. Oh man, dude, that picture of him with his shirt off. Yeah, man. You know that's the ideal male body right there. (laughs) (laughs) It's peak peak male body, physical conditioning right there. Just oh, And You know what? I always thought he he filled. He he filled
1: out in college like a lot of guys do. Like he hit the weight some, but there was some. (laughs) There were some beers. Twelve ounce
0: curls there, man. Yes. Because he was scrawny as hell as a recruit, but I I, I always thought it was a rib protector he had on. Nope, nope, just uh that's, that's just his gut. <laughs> <laughs> um, you
1: don't you don't they I mean they show that combine picture of Brady all the time. Yeah. You don't you don't need it at that position. No, no, you don't. It's all about accuracy.
0: Yeah, and how well can you sling it? Look, it we're uh w- Actually, I don't even want to bring it up because I decided to cheer for the Steelers and then they went and did that, this wild card. First playoff game I'm cheering for them, they just get embarrassed. So that's obviously the biggest surprise from last weekend. But uh, what are we liking this weekend on divisional round weekend? I, I really did like the the, the double-triple header.
1: Oh, it was beautiful.
0: It was pretty awesome. Except for like, I hate, it, it's just, an, it's naturally going to happen in every playoff system there's always one conference that's better than another. So, mm-hmm. like, like the Colts and Dolphins are better teams than the Bears in
1: yeah, afc spit stack stacked this year.
0: Yeah, and like, the NFC the
1: Colts like, as a seven seed is kind of robbery.
0: Right, right. Which is why I think the Bills are battle tested, and I mean Bills Ravens this game this weekend, right?
1: Yeah, for sure. And Saturday night, that's the that's the best
0: spot. I think I saw a fifty percent chance of snow. There you go. <laughs> and then oh. Packers,
1: Packers, Rams are what? That's the Saturday afternoon
0: game. Saturday games my, I mean, I guess you've got the Breeze Brady thing, but I don't. Yeah. The, uh,
1: the Rams' defense against Packers' offense, from like, if you're into like any type of X and O stuff at all, how they're going to match up against each other, that's, that's kind of fascinating because it's probably the best offense in the NFL versus. One of the better defenses we've seen in the NFL in a little Jalen bit.
0: Jalen Ramsey versus Devontae Adams. Right. Like, that's... Aaron
1: Donald on the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. It's it's a f- fascinating ma- matchup. And Rogers having one of his better years uh, versus a defense that's just gotten the job done really all season. That's, that's a great matchup. Um, you get the Baker-Mahomes matchup again, this time in the NFL playoffs. Like, that's been played up a bit that game where they both threw for like uh, seven or eight yards
0: yeah pro football focus they tweeted out that video within 20 seconds of that matchup being announced uh and then what's the other um saints
1: bucks i think it's a fun
0: game too that'll be fun i just had this feeling that the bucks are frauds the they're it's the opposite of well i guess peyton had three years in denver right is that right? He had 3 years where they yes. lost. They yes. lost the first one. Or they, I think they just went to the playoffs but they weren't that good. The second year was their Super Bowl year. Right?
1: They lost the Super they won the Super Bowl twice. They won one, lost one.
0: Do you, do we remember which order it was? Cuz
1: his first year they lost to the Ravens when the Ravens won the Super Bowl in like double overtime. The Ravens went to Denver and beat them. Um and then the next year they went to the Super Bowl I think and lost to the Seahawks. And then I think there was a third year in between and then its fourth year is when they won the Super Bowl.
0: See, and I have a feeling that Brady to look that up. Yeah, well the Ravens beat the 49ers, so I know that part was at least wrong. Um, oh, but they might they they lost to them in the playoffs. I see what you're saying. Okay. Um, yeah, cuz they're both AFC. I just I have this feeling that the Bucks as much as as good as their weapons are. Now, like next uh, year is really when they get it together. Uh uh-huh. just I have it here again, if you're ready for okay. it. Okay. Yeah. Hit me.
1: Okay. His first year there was 2012. They go 13 and three, get one seed, lose to the Ravens. Um, his next year there is 2013. Um, they lose to the Seahawks in the Super Bowl. They go 13 get and three,
0: blown out, and then they beat Cam Newton and Carolina the next year. That's what it is. In they go
1: 12. Yeah, in 2014, they go 12 and four. They lose to the Colts, but I think Peyton got hurt. So he wasn't the quarterback. I think it was like Osweiler or something. Um, and oh, then the they fired John Fox. And then in 2015, they go 12 and four with Gary Kubiak. Their defense is incredible. And they won the Super Bowl. They beat the Panthers.
0: I mean, Gary Kubiak is a Super Bowl winning head coach. Mm-hmm. God.
1: Whew. They go 12 and four in the regular season. Trying to scroll down to the playoffs, they beat the Steelers in the divisional round. They were the three seed. The Broncos were that year. They go to New England – or they host New England – or no, never mind. They weren't the. They were the one one seed. It looks like one or two seed. They host New England in the AFC Championship. They beat them twenty to eighteen, and then they beat the Panthers in the Super Bowl.
0: Ah, oh, business decision. But yeah, that, that that was my long way of saying that I. I think those two have similar career arcs, and I just don't think it's the Bucks' time yet. Uh, Saints defense very good, Yeah. Uh, so
1: I, yeah, I just I think low key Brady like has been awesome for about the last month and a half.
0: It gets bad teams though, yeah. Like, I they don't, only beat Washington at eight. I mean, that was a push. Good teams I, winning, great teams cover like it. We know this, yeah. Uh, I just – I
1: don't know. I, I'm kind of, I'm buying some of their stock right now. I think – I'm not big on the Saints. I haven't really been big on them all year.
0: Well – So we'll see. You forget that the Saints go
1: marching. And I would love to see Rodgers versus Brady in Lambeau for the NFC Championship. I think that would be fun. Yeah, that would be fun.
0: And then the Packers lose, TJ gets all sad. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean that that's just to see Brady and Lambeau on for an like NFC championship game that's cold against Rogers. Like I mean that's
0: Ooh, it could be like a tuck rule like thirty years later in all the snow.
1: That's uh that's what I want. I think that'd be pretty cool. And then give me um Cheese versus Ravens would be fun, but I really want to see Cheese versus Bills.
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't, don't think
1: the Ravens have the ammo to No,
0: up. no, they 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 don't. Um especially a receiver, even though Hollywood Browns been like he play better. They just the don't.
1: Ravens defense is good. But Josh
0: Allen know. Josh Allen is fun. He he yeah. he does like, some weird stuff. He can play make. He can just make plays happen. And that's what's fun, man. It's like, oh, sports aren't just like mechanical, like that Tom Brady's turned it into. You know, he's a sports, yeah. he's a quarterback robot. Josh Allen's fun. Him and Mahomes, they're both a lot of fun. And I, I think the Bills actually have a shot against them, which I, that, that's really what you want. Even though we cheer for greatness, we also cheer against it, and mm-hmm. I want the Bills to have a chance to beat the the Chiefs. I I, I want to see that again. So, but we'll find out all this weekend after the Vision Run. It's it's our last big weekend of football games where you got right four time. Thank God Get Saturday
1: talk- action still. Get uh, this is the got- last Saturday
0: action. He's got an early basketball tip, so just enough time to get that game over with. And, whew, I'm I'm looking forward to. It. It'll be a lot of Saturday beers. Okay, there we go. Whoo, looking forward to it. Well, we're we're also going to be waiting around for Wandale a little bit longer. Hopefully, we get some good news. You might have already got some good news by the time you're to this. In that case, go Cats, go Crimson.